This episode is sponsored by the Paper Trails Greeting Company. Owners near and far, hear ye, hear ye. There's an amazing company that's dedicated to celebrating and encouraging every runner that laces up a pair of running shoes, and it's called the Paper Trails Greeting Company. This company offers something that's hard to replicate in a text message, and that is a physical, innovative, and genuine note of kindness that supports and celebrates every runner. The motto of the company is that every runner belongs, and each card proves that. The cards preach community among all runners, and there's a card for each season of a runner's journey. If you've run a new personal best, there's a card that celebrates that. If you suffered an injury, there's a card that lets you know that someone is thinking of you and that you'll come back even stronger. There's even a card that celebrates your significant running other. For me personally, I never felt like a runner, but then I stumbled across the Paper Trails Greeting Company and it inspired me to pick up running again. And eventually it made me feel like I was a part of the running community. Go on their website, papertrailsgreetingco.com and check out their incredible selection of cards. Use the code LACTICACID in all caps for 15% off your order. They also have inspirational stickers and PDF printouts, so be sure to check those out as well. Then follow them on their social media page on Instagram, Paper Trails Greeting Co., as well on Facebook. And always remember to celebrate every runner and that every runner belongs. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, sinks and inks, and welcome to Lactic Acid. I'm your host, Dominic Smith. As always, I want to thank everyone for their support uh, towards Lactic Acid. This has been an incredibly fun project. I've enjoyed meeting the new guests, but also bringing the guests to you so you can get to know them as well. This channel is growing. This platform is growing, and I am so excited to see where um, it takes off and what the future holds. Today, you are going to hear from the legend, Michaela Hazelwood Lewis. She is a shot, I'm sorry, she's a discus thrower. She did throw the shot puts on, not totally off, but at the moment she does throw the discus. She finished second um, in the Olympic trials last year and she was such a joy to talk to. We did have a bit of technical difficulties, um, but you'll see we got it cleared out and you'll get a chance to hear from her and some of the things we talked about, you know, her passion for throwing the discus. We shared some embarrassing discus stories, specifically mine was more embarrassing i have to say she introduced me to some incredible food places um in west lafayette where uh, purdue university is and kentucky she attended purdue and the university of kentucky we talked mental health um we had a really great conversation about different things and um we even talked about the wonders of social media uh, i i learned a little bit more and if you follow um, her Instagram, McThrows, at McThrows, um, you'll get a chance to see some of the things that she does. She teaches the disc as well with the little videos that she comes up with, and it is awesome. Do me a favor, as always, go ahead and subscribe if you would on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are on. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. It helps the algorithm. It helps um, this channel gets boosted up and so more people can see it and more people can find out about it. Follow us on social media, Lactic Acid Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Lactic Acid underscore pod. Still don't know how to use TikTok, but follow a brother on there, Lactic Acid Pod or Lactic Acid Podcast. The website has needs to be updated a little bit, but still go on there for your latest information, lacticacidpodcast.org. Uh, that should be updated by the end of the week. Uh, by this coming Friday. So definitely stay tuned for that. And if you are interested in the sponsoring the show, shoot me an email at lacticacidpodcast at gmail.com. Would love to chat with you. Would love to uh, build your brand or help build your brand through our audience. And follow me personally on FanHub. We have some incredible writers there fanhub.com it is changing the game and track and field you'll find incredible content creators podcasts written stuff videos there's so much and you'll hear from some of the guests on this show um, they're a part of that project as well as always thank you all enjoy the episode
What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, sinks and inks, and welcome to Lactic Acid, the podcast where the takes are fresh, the ideas are ripe, and that makes us the best in the bunch. I'm your host, Dominic Smith, and today we have a thrower on the show, so you know it's a big deal. You know Dom loves the throws, and we're going to make sure that we hype up one of the most difficult events in sports. I have one of the best throwers in the country on the show tonight. Her name is Michael, Michaela Hazelwood. What's going on, fam? I'm so pumped that you're on the show. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yes. Yeah, so, Michaela, we're going to get a chance to know about you. You're going to teach us some fun things about the art of throwing. But I have to ask you a question that I ask everyone once they come on the show. But I'm going to tweak it up just a hair. If you had to pick a superhero or television personality to describe you as a discus thrower, who are you rolling with? Uh, I would go with Jessica Jones. Do you know who that is? Uh, The name sounds familiar, but it sounds familiar from a show that I do not watch, but people probably tweet about. Uh, So she is a superhero, a Marvel superhero. She looks like your normal person, but is freakishly strong. So that's kind of how I feel that I look. If you look, saw me on the street, you'd just think I was a normal person. But once I'm in the ring, my super strength comes out. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Listen, it's none but the throws tonight. So which which um which movie would she be on? I'm not too in tune with the Marvel series, to be honest with you. So I don't think she's on any of the Marvel movies. Um, She had her own TV show when Marvel was on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Now that Marvel's not on Netflix. Hmm. Oh, you cut out just a little bit, but the part I did get was that Marvel <laughs> is on Netflix and I or is not on Netflix. But I do remember that it was at a certain point on Netflix, and I thought it was the weirdest thing ever. But people absolutely loved it, so I guess I missed it. But that's okay. <laughs> that's I all. I think that Disney Plus might have bought those shows to where they're now on Disney Plus, but that's I don't true. know that for a fact. Well. I have to look and see it's, if, if it's something interesting, because multiple people have said like, oh, this is something you should watch. And I was like, OK, well, you know, if it's if it's something that will pique my attention, then I'll check it out. But uh, hey, you never know. Jessica Jones. OK, I like that. I like that. I like that. And that is like the perfect segue to because shot putters are normal people until you get into the ring and then you throw. Uh, something that people have no idea how heavy it is, 200 feet, um, then you are a superhero, essentially. (laughs) So you threw the discus, and you are a discus thrower. Um, And then if I'm not mistaken, you threw the shot put at in college as well? Yep, I did shot and hammer in college. And hammer. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So you are the jack of all trades and the master of all. Wow. See, I and I'll get to that. I see, I don't mess with the hammer. I don't mess with the hammer because I can't even walk straight, let alone, you know, toss a hammer, you know, that far. So it's a wonder I didn't die throwing the discus. But how did you get into throwing? What attracted you to the throws? So when I started track. Throwing wasn't necessarily what I was focused in on, um, but my friend convinced me to go try out throwing with her and I picked it up. I loved it. I never left the ring after that. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to be a long jumper when I started track. Oh, really? Okay. Did, did your coach ever let you try it? Um, when I started track, I was two weeks out of getting out of the hospital with pneumonia. Mm. Uh, so I did try long jump, but I couldn't even get down the runway to jump without not being able to breathe. Oh my gosh. That is, that's, listen, pneumonia is nothing to play with. Oh my goodness. Well, you made the right choice uh, because you are necessary to throw at. We are back. Just had a minor technical issue, but guess what? The internet sucks everywhere. Technology is overrated, but we are back talking embarrassing discus throws. So, um, 
we were saying um, earlier before uh, we kind of got disconnected for a bit, I was asking, did you have an embarrassing moment that resembled mine? So mine was a senior last discus competition. And here's the thing, high school athletics, you know, it's very, and you know it as a college athlete, the throws can get you some serious points and it can help towards getting a team title. So I <laughs> really, well, I want to say I screwed my team because I made it up for it in the shot put, um, but caught three L's on three throws. And here's the bad part. They went three different directions. One went to the left, one went to the right in the pole, one was in the center, and then dipped to the right. So I was like, oh, my gosh, like, is my life not an L at this moment? Which it was. So my question was, did you have anything that resembled that? Or am I just just that bad? (laughs) Yeah, so I think it was the first time that I had spun in a meet. Um, I threw it over the net and into the track. Um, luckily mm. there wasn't people running, <laughs> but um, I had finished the spin and then kind of pulled it across my body and it went up and over the left side into the track. Um, and I fouled out of the meet. So I've definitely had some <laughs> difficulties in meets before, that's for sure. That happens so often though. Like I hate, and maybe I hate it when they ran the four by eight while we were throwing the discus. Cause I was like, there is a decent chance that somebody <laughs> is not going to make it. Uh, th- thank God, you know, that that didn't happen, but it was like, it was kind of risky for sure. And so talking about the spin and I don't want to have you repeat the nuance of the spin, but going back to, you know, what we were talking about, the perception of, weight throwers you've mentioned that and i'll just have you do it again but you were you were talking about well go ahead and you know repeat it about you know the weight room and um something that you wish would go away as far as the perception of you know the weight throwers compared to everyone else yeah so i feel like a lot of athletes or even other track athletes have this perception that throwers aren't working as hard or they're not you know as athletic or have the same level of fitness and throwers have different levels of fitness, of course, but we're training things differently. Um, we're in the weight room a lot longer. Um, you're good. <laughs> we're in the weight room a lot longer. We're, you know, working on those technical nuances of the throw, um, which takes a lot of time. It's a lot more technical than some events, not all. Um, so we're, you know, spending the same amount of time, it just looks different than what it might be for another athlete. We don't run like, you know, for me, running was punishment, you know, if it was outside of the warm up. Um, I know there were some, you know, cases where we did have to do some gassers and stuff like that, but I did hate that too, because it's like all you do is throw. Well, there's so many, you have to have fluid hips, you have to be, you know, agile you know, especially with the things you have to do. And then the things that are required of throwers in the weight room resembles what's required for the runners on the track. Maybe I'm wrong in in thinking that. Obviously, you're the pro. (laughs) Um, You know, would you say that's an accurate assessment? Yeah, I think that the runners do a lot of their strength or conditioning training by running, which makes sense because, you know, that's what they do. Whereas throwers do a lot of their strength and conditioning work in the weight room because they have to be strong um, or they have to be fluid in their movements through the ring. So a lot of that, like footwork drills or stuff like that, that might not be specific throwing technique, but definitely hounded on a little harder for a thrower. You've done the discus, you've done the shot put and you've done the hammer. And you stuck with the discus. Um, as I said earlier on the show, I am not, I am a fan of the hammer. It's nothing that I could do because I just that's just an accident waiting to happen. Why the discus of those three events? I mean, to put it simple, it was the one I was the most successful at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, listen. But so, I yeah. have always loved the discus more, I think. <laughs> 
I used to, when I first went out to check out the discus, um, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I saw people spinning and how far it was, but then I thought it was like throwing a Frisbee. And then like they put a discus in my hand. I was like, oof, like this, this is, this is challenging, <laughs> just challenging. <laughs> You've been able to find success throughout your career first at Purdue um, and then at Kentucky, obviously crossing over big 10 lines um, to the sec and the competition is elite. What have you learned over your years of developing as a discus thrower to where you are now, you know, you came in second place in the Olympic trials. Um, and so you're throwing over 200 feet and you're really, really, you know, doing well, one of the best in this country, but how has that progression been for you and what have you learned? Yeah. I mean, as much as like the technical aspect or just like getting stronger has helped me improve. I think the older I've gotten, the more I've understood, like how important the mental aspect of everything is and how to focus in and hone all that in, um, to be able to go into the ring and like, not necessarily expect yourself to throw far, but believe that it's there and that you're capable of it. Um, I would say when I was, you know, freshman, sophomore, even by the time I graduated at Purdue, I still was battling that like on meet day, regardless of how practice was like, am I good enough for this? Like, can I do this? Whereas now, like I go into the ring and I'm like, I'm prepared for this. Like I've done this every day at practice. It shouldn't be any different. If anything, these nerves I'm feeling is, you know, more energy to put into the throw. So I think that's the biggest component of throwing that I've learned as I've aged. (laughs) One thing that impresses me about discus um, and really all of the throws and that kind of, you know, goes to your point about, you know, people not thinking that you guys, you know, do enough as far as, you know, the quality of work, you have to be pretty athletic and agile. I know for me, one of the reasons it took me a while to adapt to spin and I glided with the shot put spun with the discus. But I can't, I can barely walk on two feet straight, let alone spin in this ring. Um, It's like you're low key claustrophobic. (laughs) Like, what was it about, or how were you able to adapt to the nuances? Like, are you kind of like me, kind of like a little clumsy and everything? Um, (laughs) But if you are, like, how did you adapt to throwing and using such a incredible technique in such a small space so I always like to make the joke I'm one of the clumsiest people you know but you wouldn't tell when you watch me throw and I think that it just I put in reps and reps and reps to you know learn how to do it and how to do it properly to where I wasn't falling in the ring (laughs) because I've fallen several times throughout my career and I think uh just taking it you know, breaking it down step-by-step or finding out like where you're losing your balance or what's causing the issue to where you're losing your balance at that point is so important um, to where you can learn the nuance and start working to smooth those pieces out. Track and field is one of the weirdest sports in the world because it's very, in some respects, clickish, not necessarily from the athlete's perspective, but how it's covered, meaning all the sprinters get the love, and deservedly so. I love sprints. You know, I'm from Florida, born and raised still here. The culture of sprinting and track and field in the state of Florida is incredible. Um, and then obviously, you know, there's there's a sprinting community which is a little more universal uh, because, you know, when the sprinters run something stupid, you know, stupid being good, you know, usually it'll catch ESPN's attention. Um, You know, distance has their community, but the throwers and just the field events, it's like they're kind of being left out in more ways than just, you know, being on TV and stuff like that, but they're not getting the proper funding. They're not, you know, in terms of endorsements, in terms of contracts and all of that fun stuff. So what is it that keeps you coming back year after year to throw the discus? 
I mean, I just love the sport. <laughs> I love the challenge. I love that it's all on my shoulders every day. Like, and I'm still improving. So to me to stop while I'm still seeing myself rise is like almost failing myself. Cause I never figured out where the top was. Yeah. Um, I love that. So I, I, I keep coming back for more. It just, the moment that I'm like, ah, I feel like, you know, I'm starting to plateau. Like maybe this isn't what I want to keep doing. Then I prove myself wrong. And so then I have to keep going again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, but it's really cool. Like to see your progression, especially, you know, kind of your journey, you know, to get where you are and, you know, seeing the improvements to where you were second, you know, at the Olympic trials, the one question that, and I have my opinion on this and I'm never talked with an athlete about this until tonight. And that's one thing that, you know, I'm interested to hear others comment. I think they should do away with standards. Um, I understand, you know, they, they want to kind of legislate it, you know, to a, to a point, but I personally, I think it's kind of silly um, because you take away the competitive aspect like you're, you're, you're not competing against somebody else. You're trying to get to a standard, meaning, okay, well, if you suck at the Olympic trials and, you know, I don't mean stuff, but, you know, if it wasn't your day or you go to a certain meet and it wasn't your meet, it's like, okay, cool, you know, it doesn't matter because I threw this, but you can be digressing instead of progressing. And the person that's progressing, you know, is the one and that showed up you know, is the one that kind of, you know, misses out. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts about getting rid of standards and actually keeping it to the level of competition of people who earned their spots on teams and in certain events and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with it, but I think when it comes to like the Olympics or world championships and stuff, um, a lot of people brought that up. Like you got second, um, and you beat them, you should go. Um, but we have to think in the world scheme of things. So like a lot of countries don't take three people to these meets because they don't have qualifiers. So it's kind of like, there has to be some sort of standard to like allow equal opportunity across the world. Um, I do like this movement towards world rank to where it shows who is like consistently um, competitive rather than it just being like someone having a really good wind, especially like with discus, we don't have like wind aided throws or non wind aided throws. So like there's meets that like you go and you catch a big wind. So someone could hit a standard when they're not necessarily like consistent. Um, mm -hmm. So this world rank playing into it, I think is a really good thing for our sport I think it's going to help promote um, the sport in general and have the most competitive people at these championships. For the throws community, what do we need to do extra to put the throwers on the map? That's kind of a universal question with Disney World answers. <laughs> um, so that's that's what I'm, I'm curious about, obviously, as a content creator. Um, but, you know, athletes can only do so much because there's only so many hours in the day. Unfortunately, I think, the thing that stinks is, you know, in this sport with the things that you all are required to do, that should be your main con, you know, concentration, but you know, you have people who have to make a living to make a living, you know, um, right. what, what is it? How, how do we change this? How do we, you know, make it where, you know, if you want to, you know, do something extra, you can, but you don't feel pressured to do so you can concentrate on what you love and what you're good at, what you love and what you're good at. Yeah. So obviously like I've promoted myself on social media a lot more than I ever have in the past year, trying to spread the love of track and field. And like, I think a lot of people think track and field is running and they don't realize the field part of it and yeah. that there are throwers and jumpers and vaulters and that all of us are working hard and have our, part of the sport and that the sport isn't quite the same without us all um so obviously like professional athletes collegiate athletes jumping on this social media and bringing exposure to the sport i think that our 
federations or these TV um, sponsors and such should start promoting all the events equally to see if they're still getting the viewership. We have a lot of this fight as throwers or jumpers that they say, well, your events don't get watched, but we're not getting the exposure on TV to even see that there are viewers to watch it. So I think there needs to be some push from all aspects to try and get more exposure. Um, social media is obviously the easiest way because we have control. But like you said, there's only so many hours in the day. I work 40 hour weeks um, and train on top of that and then try to do the social media thing. So there's not that many hours in the day. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think people realize how hard it is to do social media. Like I downloaded TikTok thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to use this to help promote the show. No, that is, I'm, I'm not, you see, I'm 27. I'm not about that Gen Z life. All those little kids, they know how to do that stuff. I'm like old. Like, I don't, I don't know. And even just to get a post to function, like you have to record it. You have to make sure it's right. Then you have to edit it. And then it has to be within the time frame of Instagram to do this little reels thing. So it's not as if it's like, okay, well, let me just post something real quick. It's like, no, nah, like there's some work that goes into it. Um, so I definitely understand where you're coming from. And yeah, like I said, if we are this big, you know, track and field community, then we should not have communities, you know, separate from one another. And obviously the throw a thrower, Ryan Crowder will never get the attention of a Usain Bolt. That's, that's fine. But there's a whole community of people that they're not being exposed to the different elements of the sport. Granted, you know, it's fine. It's like on USA TV gold or, you know, Peacock, NBC gold or whatever, but you know, no one has $50 to pay um, for that consistently. So I, it's always, it's an ongoing push, but it's like, okay, it's time we, we, we start putting some movement, <laughs> you know, into this, you know, instead of these festive slogans and uh, little things like that. One thing that I want to know and that the people want to know is who are you off the track? outside of the discus ring, outside of the spinning merry-go-round that is known as the discus, where you throw that little thing 200 and however feet. Can you tell, can you, like the OJ said, can you give the people what they want? Uh, so, like I said, I work full-time. I work as a quality supervisor at a psychiatric hospital. So, if you see, I promote mental health all the time. Um, that's just within me that I feel like people need to know, like anyone can get help. Uh, so psychology, promoting, like doing what's best for your mental health, just as much as your physical health is really important to me. But then fun things I like to do would be hiking. Um, my husband and I go hiking all the time. Um, I have two cats, so I love my cats and. <laughs> okay. I'm not a cat person. Um, <laughs> I don't know why they like mess with my allergies <laughs> or whatever the case might be. It's like, they're like cool and everything, but it's just like, uh, like I'm not about that. So what talk about your work as a um, supervisor at the psychiatric hospital, what kind of, you know, made you want to go into that? It's very important. And that's, that's really cool that you do that. Yeah, so originally I wanted to go into sports psychology. Um, after my husband started his PhD, I was like, yeah, I don't know that I want to get a PhD. Uh, so I went into health administration so that way I could work um, still in the psych field, not as much the sport part of it, but um, I just feel like there's people that have to help each other um, as much as we have to help ourselves. So I work on like the quality stuff, making sure that like we're meeting our metrics and doing what's the best for patient safety and staff safety. And uh, I love what I do. Um, I love helping the patients. It's awesome to see like when they come in um, versus when they leave and the progress they've made while they've been here. How rewarding is that? And what have you learned from it? you know, just seeing everyone else's journey and having a small part in it? 
Oh man, that's a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it shows that like, I'm more than just track and field as much as I love it. And as much as I've embodied it for 15 years now, like it's so rewarding to see that like I can be successful outside of sport um, and that I can aid in other people's journeys to, you know, get better themselves as much as I'm not as much of like direct care staff, like our nurses and PCAs and therapists do so much for those patients. So it's still rewarding. How the hiking part, it seems like every thrower is a hiker or, or there, there's something, what is it about hiking that you love so much? Because it's like, you know, you already do a lot of weightlifting this stuff. Why do you want to add more, you know, in a six extra exercise is great. I'm not saying don't exercise, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, the Lord went to sleep on the seventh day. He, he rested. So, you know, what is it about hiking that you, you and your husband love so much about yeah, I'm, I love being outside in general. So it's an easy way or an easy excuse to be outside, mm-hmm. but also like just to see the beauty of the world and to challenge yourself in another way. Like hiking is a completely different way to push my body. Um, so I always like to push myself to see where I can go with anything that I do. So I don't know. I love it because it's pretty, it's, rewarding you like struggle up the mountain and then you get to see the view (laughs) no that's fair like I did go on a hike before and obviously it depends on the time of year that you go um if it's super hot then no you just need to go home but (laughs) other than that it is rewarding what's your favorite place that you've hiked or yeah favorite location uh this past uh, October, we went to Zion National Park and hiking the Narrows there was probably the coolest hike I've ever done. Wow. It was on my list to do, and it was more than I could have ever imagined. Hiking up the river and seeing like the different rock formations of the can- of oh goodness, of the canyon. <laughs> <laughs> that is, wow. That's impressive. This is that like a dream hike location, or do you have like a bucket list of places that you want to go and check out? Yeah, I have a bucket list. My husband and I, in our vows, even said we were going to go to every national park in the U.S. before we died. Ooh, okay. Um, but definitely places outside of the U.S. I'd like to go to. Oh yeah, some of those foreign places. Have you been to Arizona yet? Um, Towards the Grand Canyon. I haven't, but this fall we're going to hike north to south rim of the Grand Canyon. So I'm pretty excited. Okay. Okay. So when you do have downtime and you're not hiking and you're not throwing (laughs) or working, what's like the go-to TV show or a lot of people said they enjoy cooking. Like what what was that? No, no, (laughs) not about that cooking life. I we watch TV all the time I can't really think of like what my favorite TV show is but I do love podcasts okay I love true crime podcasts so morbid is my favorite podcast oh Oh. you see I don't I don't and you can enlighten me because I'm not an expert at the true crime, crime podcast. I like to go to sleep at night. You know what I'm saying? And, and try to get a peaceful rest in the rest of the Lord. How do you like, are a, how are you able to listen to that? Like consistently? I've never understood listening or watching. Cause I know Netflix has a ton of crap, you know, on that stuff and these murder mysteries and, and all of that. It's like, can't you just turn on the news or something like that? Like that doesn't deter you away from it. Like, what is it about, you know, that true crime that you enjoy? like how they figure it out or yeah I think just like hearing how they like come to like the conclusion to figure out who you know did the crime or just back to the whole psychology and like how different people's brains work like what led that person to do that I think is the biggest part of why I like true crime that's interesting. I never thought about that. Okay. There's still nothing I'm going to do, but that is a very <laughs> interesting uh, perspective, honestly, that I never thought about. That is legit. How do you train and like, how do you work 40 hours a week and then train 
Like how, how does that, no, that's a good question. How? <laughs> <laughs> I Logistically speaking, I like work eight hours from like seven 30 to four are my work hours. And then I change my clothes, hop in the car and drive to practice and practice for an hour and a half. And like I said, I don't cook. My husband does all the cooking. So <laughs> that is <laughs> <He> nice. <laughs> that's, that is, that is, but here's why I say that's nice. I, I'm not a throw, you know, I retired, <laughs> you know, after high school. So 2012 is when I submitted my retirement papers uh, from being an actual thrower, but it actually takes time to cook and it takes energy and it takes mental solitude. And I can tell you, I have burnt my fair share of chicken, just like not paying attention to it. So I do definitely understand that. So back to track for a little bit. You were a Kentucky Wildcat and a Purdue Boilermaker who, if I'm not mistaken, they played tonight. Uh, or did they play last night? I don't know. I'm an Ohio State fan and a North Carolina fan. You know, Ohio State caught the L, God bless, but North Carolina got the W. So I haven't <laughs> really paid attention to any other team outside of throwing my bracket in the trash. But what were those two experiences like for you? Because it seems like there is a difference, especially in the winter. Yeah, I, we're talking about weather-wise. Yeah, Kentucky is consistently warmer. So training outside, you could train outside longer. It was a shorter period of time between, you know, when you had to go inside to train discus versus when you could go outside. Kentucky has a huge field for training. So when you were inside, you're still seeing the discs fly. Purdue, we were in a little corner throwing off of the Mondo into like old hydro pits. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. But Kentucky puts a lot more money into their facilities. That's true. I, I mean, SEC schools in general are a lot more, have a bigger push for their, their, or, yeah, their athletics. Whereas like in the Big Ten, there's a huge push that your academics are way before athletics or at least yeah. my experience at Purdue that's how it was and football uh you know seemingly with the Big Ten conference uh football and basketball those are like the major you know kind of money makers and then uh like you said academics is a big deal and SEC country is is all athletic and that's not to say it's not academic as well because they're great academic institutions um in the southeastern conference i, I don't want anybody coming at me you know, <laughs> saying that you know the sec is not a school base no it is they, trust me university of florida uh schools like that vanderbilt very 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 high in academics so um <laughs> no that's not what i'm saying at all but what were some of the things that you learned from both experiences that has helped you on and off the track yeah, I mean, the push for academics at Purdue, as much as, like, people can see it as a negative, like, I think I had to work so hard to keep both things going at the same time that I learned time management at a whole new level, mm -hmm. um, which helps me today trying to balance work and training and being able to, like, be honest and upfront and talk through with, you know, like, my boss now and my coach versus like my professors at Purdue, like when I was going to be gone, you know, how I needed to make sure I was meeting deadlines and all of those kind of things. Um, super helpful. Uh, I learned how to train in adverse conditions for sure too. Oh man. Spring in Northern Indiana is not, you know, ideal by any means. And then I think at Kentucky, there was so many resources within the athletic department and, from the top down, like you were cared for so much as who you were as a person. So, you know, you weren't pushed. I mean, as you were pushed to be the best that you can be in athletics, but it wasn't like at a sacrifice to who you were as a person. And I think that is such an important thing to learn. This is an odd question, but I'm just curious. What was the best meal that you had at Purdue and at Kentucky? Oh, God. I'm trying to think. There were so many places that we went. Um, 
oh, and I can't even think of it. There was this place at Purdue. What is it called? What do I they feel sell? That I don't remember, but they had the best mac and cheese and they Ooh. had like deep fried cheese blocks with this raspberry sauce that you dipped it in. And it was delicious. It was downtown Lafayette. Sorry to, you know, the owners that I can't remember. We, to we, give you we, that out. Yeah, we'll, we'll give them, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. That you had me until you said raspberry sauce. So you like a, like a compote. Yeah, it was like a little compote that you dipped the cheese bucket. I know it doesn't sound, but it it matched. It, so. it slapped. It oh it wow. So, <laughs> so like a like so it's like a uh, um, elong like a large cheese curd, but like in a in a block. Yes. And you, I'm tr- I'm just trying to wrap my head <laughs> around fruit. I mean, fruit and cheese go together. So I guess it's not too far off interesting okay i I will look that up because i have heard that there are some really good restaurants um in the lafayette area um what about kentucky i Uh, wonder if there's like a super kentucky fried chicken down there or something like that i'm sure there probably is but i think bourbon in toulouse is good it's like creole food um for really cheap so i eat there all the time <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking up the um was it a barbecue place because there's something called the whisper room no. um brought us burgers blanchard's barbecue social southern table and bar pops po boys Market Eats, Lumberjack, Soul Foods. I feel like it starts with a D. There's Fat Pat's Bar and Grill, Bon Temp's Grill, Zay Rotisserie Bar. This says the Northside Vegan, but that's not vegan. <laughs> no, that's definitely not. <laughs> um, Newark's Eatery, Grub Burger Bar, Cafe Coachella, Super Taters. Mercy Kitchen. You said start with the. We will find it. We will because anything that good deserves a proper shout out. We will find it by the end of the show. And I'm always thinking like just in case. And then there's something called Betty's Fried Cheddar Cheese Cube. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, that actually sound. The more I thought about it, I was like, I can I can see that. Like I I can do that. You know, some fried cheese with a little raspberry sauce and like a nice, you know, adult, well, for me, you know, being from the South, it's sweet tea. You know, some nice, very sugary sweet tea. I could do that. Okay. I didn't know Purdue was about that life. But listen, that is, that's what's up. One thing that I do admire, we, you know, kind of touched on it earlier about your Instagram is that you are like a coach. You're like the Instagram coach for the throws. And you do such a creative job, you know, breaking down the technique and uh, answering questions, like engaging, you know, with the fans. How difficult is that to do specifically to make it in such a way where the person who did not know what a discus was, if they thought it was a spaceship, could understand it? Uh, it is difficult. Um, I will say I talk a lot through with both my coach, Keith McBride, and with my, I guess, we'll say other coach. I kind of have two coaches, uh, mm-hmm. Travis Coleman at Ohio State. Um, OH, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Try to talk what I'm wanting to explain to, like, I always think of, like, a sixth grader that's just started discus trying to learn how to do it. But I mean, it could be at any age. Um, I'm like, how do I talk this through at this concept? So then I'll kind of talk it through with them. And then they kind of give me feedback and maybe you should use this instead of that. And so they kind of have worked with me to promote this. And I, I've redone it a 
video a few times before because I'm like, ah, I just don't think I would get this if I hadn't done it for as long as I have. So it does take a lot of thought, but I think it's important that we have multiple people out there, especially women. There's not a lot of women promoting throwing. Right. So I try to take that upon myself. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Because I feel like that's a very important, uh, that would be very important because there was, you know, when I was coaching, you know, one of the coaches, you know, came to me because I was having trouble teaching her a concept in a shot put it. He said, listen, show her videos of Michelle Carter because she needs to see another woman doing what she's trying to do. And it clicked. So why do, why do you think that is like your con we can call you a content creator now, <laughs> uh, in addition uh, to it, maybe not a TikToker just yet, but I feel like you can take the TikTok world by storm. I like started TikToks, but still trying to figure it out. <laughs> okay. Well, let me know when you, you, you have it down pat, then, you know, cause I don't even know how to like share and subscribe and all that fun stuff, but why is it important in your opinion for the women to do what you're doing and showing this next generation what's possible and being so vulnerable in the process. I just think it's important. Like you said, like seeing someone like you do it uh, or seeing women be confident and being strong and powerful and bigger than what is considered normal by any means. Uh, I think the more exposure you have to people that have similar likes as you, um, the more confident you can be in what you're doing. And I think that it's so important um, that women can see other women or, you know, people of color can see other people of color doing things or to, and so on and so on. I think exposure is so important to where you can have that confidence that you do belong in the community. Absolutely. Love that answer. A couple more questions, then we're going to go to our last segment, then we're going to wrap this bad boy up with a bow. What is your goal? What is the ultimate goal for you and your career beyond the track? So a better way to ask it is, what do you want your legacy to be in and out of the discus ring? I think the two, I think there's two main things that I really want my legacy as a thrower um, or as part of the is really promoting mental health and the mental aspect of sports. And then secondly, um, just proving that you don't have to be what everyone thought was what was going to be good. I had so many people say, you aren't going to make it at the division one level. You're not big enough to be a thrower. Um, defy the odds, prove people wrong. Um, it happens every day. People are considered too big to do something, too small to do something, too tall, too short. Just give it your all. I don't, I've never understood that. People be like, yeah, you're not big enough. And it's like, well, that's why there's a weight program, you know, a weight training program. That's why there's nutrition. You're supposed to help me, you know, get to that level and stuff like that. I've never, people, people y'all need to stop doing that for real. Cause that's, that's mad annoying. What can we expect from you this year in the discus ring? Because I just have this feeling that you're about to be like the Loyola of Chicago of the discus ring, you know, like sister Jean, not this year's low, you know, loyal team that lost <laughs> in the first round, but like the really, really, really good one that like busted everybody up. And my goals for this season is to have a meet average over 60 meters um, obviously to make the world championship team and then make the final at world championships. So those are my main goals. I also would love to throw 65 meters, um, and would really love to throw 65 meters at the world championships. So those are side goals, but, um, uh, definitely goals. <laughs> I'm going to say it first. And so I'm going to keep this episode because when it happens, I want my respect for it and obviously yours. I think you're going to hit the medal stand for real this year. I think it's possible. I, I think I think it's possible, especially what you learned from last year. And, I, you know, I know you've done interviews about, um, you know, kind of what happened. You touched on it briefly. 
Am I crazy to think that? Obviously, you know, you got to believe it, but I think you can hit the metal stand. Like, just even watching, I was like, dang. Like, I, like just looking at your form on the throws on the phone, it's like, that's like 225. Like, oh, my goodness. It's like you can see it through the phone. Am I crazy to think that? <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'll show okay. up to compete. That's exactly how I'll do it. You never hey. know what every throw on the day, but if you can expect anything, it's that I'll compete. <laughs> Hey, we're going higher than that. We're getting medals. We're going medal. Going to bring home that hardware. When you win the medal, you got to come back on the show. You got to. Got to have a reunion episode, definitely. <laughs> Last segment. This segment is called Down the Home Stretch. I'm going to ask you a few rapid-fire questions. I want you to answer them to the best of your ability. If you do not, it is A-OK. We are now up to six people who have actually done well. The leader right now, it is a tie between Ali Feller and another fellow thrower, Carol Winger. So, boil yes, <laughs> boil, boil her up, boil her up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're losing right now, but guess what? It's still a bunch of time left in that game. Are you ready? Sure, ready as I'll ever be. There you go. Listen, she said <laughs> she was going to show up and compete. That's what we're about to do. <laughs> If you had to pick a food that you had to live with for the rest of your life and a food that you would get rid of in a heartbeat, what would it be? Well, mac and cheese is referenced earlier. Um, I would live with that for forever. And then hamburgers. I don't like ground meat. <laughs> I did not expect that. Okay. I'm not Okay. That's okay. Listen, to each his own. That's my philosophy. <laughs> I don't know what's right for you. You don't know what's right for me like the song says. Okay. If you had to pick a TV star or a movie star to portray your life in a movie, who would you go with? I feel like Jennifer Lawrence. We have like similar builds. She has like the quirky humor. I'll go with Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> okay. What is a fun fact that no one knows about you? I was the mascot in high school. What mascot? We were coal miners. <laughs> we got to pause down the whole stretch because I got to ask about that. So what is so like I don't even know what a boilermaker is. So what is a what is a coal so how do you dress up? Because I'm not about to disrespect coal miners, but how what is that? Tell me what that looks like. All right. So the mascot was like a traditional coal miner, not like how coal miners dress currently. So it's okay. like, so like plaid shirts and overalls, a hard hat, boots. Okay. So like that lunch pail, that old school mentality. Okay. Yeah. I have, and what what state was this? <laughs> and I have to look this up. Um, Indiana. I'm from Linton, Indiana. Okay. It was a town founded on coal mining. <laughs> have you seen the show The Middle? Yes. Okay. That's like, I don't know. Is Orson a real place or is that just a fictional? It's a fictional place. I think it was actually recorded in Terre Haute, Indiana, which is like uh, 40 minutes from where I grew up. Okay. Well, I just had to ask. Uh, I don't know. It looks so realistic. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> the coal miners. I am not mad at that. I had just never heard of that. <laughs> like, but that's a listen. Blue collar people deserve a blue collar mascot, blue collar mentality. I am all for it. If you had to pick someone to narrate a discus meet, who would it be? Uh, that's a. And by narrate, I mean they had to commentate. Like, you go up to the ring, they go over the ins and outs. Anybody. I'm going to go with Kara because she's done it at U.S. Championships before and did it beautifully. So shout out to Kara. <laughs> okay, Kara. Listen, Kara, we got to make that happen. Whenever you decide to retire, you got to get into the booth. We need you in the sport. I would, you know, she did it, it at U.S. Championships in 2019, and oh. she was perfect. Like saying the weight of the implement and compared to your normal household goods it was it's great Kara yeah. Winger 
We need you, fam. We need you. We need you. I'll, I feel like a Kara Winger, James Earl Jones tag team duo would put this would put the bros on the map. That's what we need. USA Track and Field, let's make this happen. For real. Let's make this happen. Okay, last television show that you binge watch. Last. I just binged the second season of Upload on Amazon Prime. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> okay. Never, I have heard of that. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. If there was a trend that you wish that you could bring back and a current trend that you wish would go away, what would they be? Oh, a trend. I am really not good at this one. So it could be TikTok. It could be uh, the popular answer on the show is our skinny jeans. Um, or somebody said those jeans that are like, like, look like plastic bags at the bottom um <laughs> stuff that's been the most popular answer and i'm trying to think of past trends that i'd want to come back and like Over, overalls the cabbage pack um tennis shoes television shows i'll take that uh gaucho pants because they're so comfortable. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say when I come back because they're so hideous, but comfort. <laughs> Wear what makes you comfortable. Give, give this gaucho pants, gaucho pants, listen. <laughs> and come, then, come. go ahead. Current one to get rid of. <sighs> and all I can think of is TikTok trends because I'm trying to, you know, get on this TikTok <laughs> I said TikTok in general, so. <laughs> oh, man. Any TikTok trends like are toxic. Um, right now, there's one that's like an audio saying crazy, and you say something you've done towards someone. Oh, so I probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I got, yeah. Two more, two more. If there was an event that you could run or compete in in track and field, what would it be? Like your dream event? That's not the long jump. The heptathlon. I love that it's such a balance of all the events and a true like testament to athleticism. Okay, so you love pain. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. <laughs> Last question. So in high school, I don't know if they had it in Indiana, but we had a weight throw by one, weight four by one, where all the throwers, you know, got together to run a four by one. Let's just say you're on the team. You need to pick three other throwers to join you. Who are you rolling with? Am I mixed gender or all one? So it's you, so you're the anchor. So you need a lead off, you need second or third leg. Um, and who's, yeah, go ahead, who's coaching? Who's coaching? <laughs> yes. I feel like if I'm going straight female throwers, let's empower women here. I'd pick Val to lead off. I think I would have Janae. Um, and who else do I want on my team with me? Rachel, we'll go with Rachel. We'll make it some discus throwers plus a hammer thrower. <laughs> so Val, Janae, Rachel. Okay, and then you're the anchor. Who's the coach? Uh, I mean, I'm gonna pick a sprint coach to coach me. So uh, I'm gonna. Go <laughs> okay. I'm gonna go with Coach Hall at Kentucky because he's doing some great things down there. <laughs> he is. He really is. Kentucky uh, women's team came in third place in the NCAA indoors. No shade. I actually thought you were gonna pick Kara, or like. I love Kara, but I already picked her for something else. So you know, I gotta spread the love. 
that's true. We got to spread the love, plenty of love to go around. Where can the people you survive down the home stretch A plus and got a lesson about coal miners? I actually like the more I think about it, the more hip I get to that mascot. Where can the people find you? I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, all at McThrows. Um, that's pretty much where you can find me. I have an athlete page on it, or Facebook, but not very active there. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook, nah, can't get that <laughs> Facebook life, but that's all good. I appreciate you coming on the show for dropping some incredible knowledge, telling us some incredible stories. Thank you for taking time out of your busy life to join us at Lactic Acid. You all know where you can find me, Lactic Acid underscore pod on Twitter, Lactic Acid Podcast on Instagram. I am on TikTok, Lactic Acid Podcast, but as you can tell through this episode, don't try to follow me. I know I've been telling you to follow me, but there's a good chance it's probably going to be deleted within the the next 20 to 30 business days if I cannot come up with a concept that entertains me. And then you can go on the website, lacticacidpodcast.org, where you can find all the links that I just mentioned, plus our YouTube page, Lactic Acid with Dominic Smith. And if you are interested in sponsoring the show, do me a favor, reach out to lacticacidpodcast at gmail.com. Love to talk with you. Would love to bring your brand to our family and check us out on FanHub. It is the one-stop shop for track and field fans, and you will get a chance to beat and meet some incredible chance to meet talking too fast some incredible content creators journalists athletes uh, all of the above we got everything you need until next time we will catch you later